स्पाइस रेडियो रेडियो रिमझिम सुन रहे हैं आप गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ी में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर छः मिनट को चाहते हैं आपसे लेके तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकेंगी खाटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए कि बाहर सुबह सवेरे हल्की हल्की बरसात हो रही थी और उसके बाद मौसम अब काफ़ी अच्छा है एंड हैविंग सेट दैट आज के हमारे इस कार्यक्रम में वादे के मुताबिक हम आगे चल के सवा दो बजे के करीब लव एंड ट्रामा एक किताब जो छपी है अ मेमोज ऑफ अ स्मॉल गर्ल ग्रू अप मीला शर्मा आज हमारे स्टूडियोज में हैं एडिटर हैं इस किताब की ऑथर हैं और हीलर हैं और वो अपने इस टॉपिक के बारे में हमसे बात करेंगी बट बिफोर दैट वीव गॉट माया हेयर एंड वट इज़ ट्रेंडिंग इन न्यूज़ Like so we always talk about climate change and we talk about things that are happening and you know one thing that's happening is that there's this huge spill that happened in English Bay English Bay Yeah it happened When? on Saturday No kidding Yeah so it, it's a suspected marine pollution um and it was actually found by a float pi- plane pilot mm. and I guess the inv- investigations revealed that there's been between 60 to 100 liters of fuel that got released from like a a container ship. No. Yeah. Kidding. Really? Yeah, and I mean so all the fishies and all the you know um sea animals probably would be affected by this. I mean, I think everyone gets affected by it because when we talk about climate change, we talk about more than just pollution in the air, right? Mm. We talk about the change in our oceans and o- o- oceanific- o- oceanification, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm. It's when the acid changes inside of the ocean and oh. it kills our coral reef. And that's one of the biggest you know, it helps us get ox- oxygen, mm-hmm. right? Especially, uh, you know, down south. Yeah, and it's like we need the ocean to be healthy in order for us to thrive as well as we need, you know, trees and we need, you know, so the earth it, it makes is made up of all of these different things that we need. So in other words, we are trying to kill ourselves. Is that what it is? I mean, the more spills that we have and the more we contaminate the air and the ocean, how long are we really going to live on this planet, right? Not very long. Yeah. Not the way we are going. So um did they find out which uh, ocean liner was it that sort of spilled their pollution they're still continuing the investigation but they did say that you know it was from a container ship i mean oh, okay. what else would it be from right, right but exactly. they're still going to do more investigation mm-hmm. yeah they have the municipal provincial and they have the first nations as well all of the leaders are kind of figuring it out so um yesterday and day before yesterday a lot of fun in uh, chinatown because mm-hmm. of the year of the rabbit what yeah. are you what am i yeah Oh. Are you a, uh, out of one of those Chinese um, astrological I animals? I can't remember. I can't. You don't know who I know you my, are. my brother is a boar. <laughs> uh, he, you would know about him. What about you? I don't remember. Why can't I remember my own? Because I think there's something wrong with you, Maya. I think I'm the year of the snake. You're the snake. I think. Okay. <laughs> I am a rooster. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. So I think roosters and uh, rabbits do get along. I think so. Yeah, not bad. Mm. Lot of festivities, and I think it's good because Chinatown got revitalized. Lot of people were there, and it would be a good idea because the the mayor uh, of Vancouver is a Chinese person of Chinese background, and he was there as well. So was um, Pierre Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Not Pierre Trudeau, his son, mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. But the other guy who is the opposition conservative 
opposition leader. His name is Pierre Polivar. Mm-hmm. He was there as well. Ooh. And he sent us uh, all all the media people a little note saying we, we had a meeting with him on Saturday, which was uh, cancelled and postponed to Sunday. Uh. And he said, it's all Justin Trudeau's fault oh. that I couldn't come to the meeting oh. because the transportation system is uh. broken. And Justin Trudeau isn't doing enough about it. Oh. So I thought to myself, this guy is getting on the wrong foot. Hmm. You know, I mean, he has, without even looking at why his flight was cancelled or why he couldn't attend, he has started blaming Justin, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau, period, dot. Wow. And passed the buck Yeah. very quickly. Hmm. I didn't like that very much. What do you think of that? I mean... I don't know. I mean, a lot of people, I think now, especially with COVID, right? I feel like a lot of people like to blame very, very quickly. I remember when I used to work at the restaurant, people would get mad at me Hmm. for the long lines. They would get mad at me for not being able to turn the tables fast enough and get mad at me for how (laughs) other people acted. When at the end of the day, you can't get mad at the restaurant employee. It's the whole system, right? Like how how are, how is everyone else dealing with the situation? Mm. Because there's only so much I can do. I'm a, I was an eight, 19-year-old girl mm-hmm. standing at the front t- the door trying mm. to get people to come in and like, you know, behave. Let me see your passports, your, you know, vaccine For passports. COVID stuff, yeah. People would fake them. Right. I would say, sorry, I yeah. can't accept that. And really? they would get mad at me. Oh, I've never heard of uh, people faking those. Well, we've got two health uh, care workers here as well, and we'll ask them as well. Do you think people faked their uh, COVID passports? Mila, did they? I don't want to answer that right now. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Shelly? No. Shelly doesn't want to say anything. There sure. were, uh, while I was there, it yes. was just, it was interesting to see how many people were actually doing such a bad job at faking them. Like it's... Okay, so <laughs> so if they were faking it and doing a good job, you would have accepted it. No, I wouldn't have accepted it, but it would have been harder for me to tell. Right. So there are a lot of people that wouldn't actually scan the QR codes. They would look at them. Oh, okay. And if they did a good job faking it, you can just look at, oh yeah, it's right. Yeah. Some people just did a bad job doing the but, QR but code. But a lot of people had to... Um, scan. Scan them, right? Yeah. It's... By the restaurant, you are required to scan, but then it's up to the the, the worker. Establishment, okay. It's, it's up to the worker mm. how how much they care to do it. Oh, I see. Right. I see so what you I mean. I did my best. I usually scanned it, mm. and sometimes I'd scan, and someone else's name would pop up on there. And then I'd look at them. So your name isn't Rebecca. You're <laughs> you're like fifty year old Caucasian man. <laughs> what is your name? <laughs> like, you know. And then I'd look at the ID. It's a different name. They say, oh, it's messed up because of the rain. All these excuses. It just it just was, to get into the restaurant to eat. Like, you just get takeout. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, I see. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, um, you heard about our topic today. Mm. It's a very heavy-duty topic. And um, we're going to give our telephone numbers out as well. And if people want to um, call in and uh, weigh in, I would like that. Um, if they just want to listen to it, that would be okay as well. So, it's about abuse, all kinds of abuse child abuse, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, abuse, mental, emotional, verbal, verbal, verbal abuse. In fact, our community is great at that. Mm. I mean, little kids, you know, to bevkuf and to that's abuse. And we can't say things like that. But anyway, all that is going to be discussed today. And the person who is uh, going to be the person that we will be interviewing is Mila Sharma. 
and uh, she's written a book called Love and Trauma, a memoir of a small girl who grew up. Um, I've read the book uh, and we'll be talking to her about that. And in the meantime, I'll give our telephone number out if people want to call in. After 2.30, please, at 604-280-1200-604-299-8863. We'll take a short commercial break and we'll be right back. Spice Radio or Radio Rim Jim Sunriyam, Gap Shapka program hai. Or Hamaraj Kes Karikum mein hum aapki mulakat karwana chahte hai. Mila Sharma ke saath. Mila, you're most welcome in our program. How are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you so much for having me, Shishmaji. Thank you for coming to the studio. So you've written a book and prior to uh, you and I meeting, you sent me an email and I wanted to read some passages out of that as an introduction. And, um, and I must mention that when I first got a call from your mom or from you, I did not put two and two together that I know you, that I have known you for such a long time. Uh, because I, in my wildest dreams, couldn't even think that this could be some, happening to someone that I knew personally. You've written, child abuse happens more frequently than anyone would like to admit. Victims are often left feeling shame, guilt, or grief for a situation that they had no control over in the first place. We should no longer swallow what happened to us as children, whether it be from physical, sexual, emotional, mental, or other abuses to protect someone else. We need to be done with making abuse a norm, and it is time to say enough is enough. No longer should we be ashamed or deny what happened to us in the past because of our unresolved trauma. Trauma can affect our lives through our physical and mental health, as well as our relationships with others. Often, we will mimic the same behaviors or tendencies as our abuser because we did not find resolution to our past trauma, thus continuing the generational cycle of abuse. Now, when I, um, when I met you and, um, and we found out what happened to you, it, it was heart, heartbreaking, to say the least. Now, when this happened to you, sexual abuse, um, and that to uh, in the hands of uh, someone who was very close to you, um, you didn't think twice to, to talk to anybody, right? No, not at all. I was two years old when this started happening, and that's only from when my memory started. Um, so, I mean, this could have happened before I was even two. Hmm. But it was just two years old. It was done by my male older cousin who was eight years older than I was. Hmm. So he would have been about 11 years old. And... Always done with kindness. He's hmm. always super gentle, very nice. I never thought twice. That it wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. So when you, you've used this word usually, and, and in the television interview that we've done, which is going to be on air this coming Sunday, you've used the word, it's done with kindness. I cannot sort of wrap my mind around it. Uh, sexual abuse cannot be kind. Two years old, you don't know what's right and wrong. Your brain is just developing. Somebody comes 
to you and says, okay, let's play a game. Let's mm. do this. And don't tell anybody about it. Mm. And so you think that's normal. Mm. And then even growing up too, moving back with my parents mm. when I was nine years old and to go through physical and mental abuse, to me that was harsher because that was that was done with it not hurt. kindness. That hurt physically, yeah, yeah and mentally. Yes. Whereas this, that cousin was very kind and mm. nice and used to let me... Um, he used to let me stay up late at night and watch like shows with him or play music hmm. with me and just buy me food, things that would entice any small young child. So let's take you back. So you um, you, so you come from a, a large family yes. that lived together and not here in the Lower Mainland. It was uh, up in Prince George. Yes. And... Um, in your family, your mom and her sister are married to your dad and his brother. Yes. So, so generational, you know, family, kids being born there and everybody living there. Mm-hmm. So when you were two years old, you your parents were there with you? No. So I was actually born in, born in Prince George, and mm. then I eventually moved back to Burnaby, um, British Columbia here mm. um, with my with my parents and my brother and my sister and then at 10 months old it was decided that I was going to go back to Prince George just because of certain hardships with my parents mm-hmm. and I was too young for them to take care of at that point so I was sent back to Prince George at 10 months old on a plane with my uncle. Mm-hmm. So y- your mom, um, your older sister and your older brother stayed in Burnaby with in my Burnaby parents. With your parents. Mm-hmm. But you were because you were... Just, just a brand new baby, basically. Baby. Couldn't yeah. talk, couldn't walk. Right. And so you were being looked after by your aunt and uncle. Yeah. And that's where your cousin was. Yes. So they have two daughters and a son. Okay. So it's that son. Yes. Now, um, in your book, the book doesn't explicitly talk about what goes on mm-hmm. between you and your cousin. But it is more of a... Help, self-help book, right? Okay. So for people who want to understand, uh, because you you see, even now when you are, we're talking about it, I am, I'm thinking, you know, uh, abuse, any kind of abuse is not right. Mm -hmm. It is not kind, uh, whether it is verbal or physical or sexual or emotional, it cannot be kind because it's being done by somebody with... Maybe not malice in their heart, but of course malice to yeah. a certain extent, right? Exactly, yeah. At what age did you feel that this wasn't right? I actually can't tell you that, but um, I think it hit home for me more when my brother came out about his own sexual abuse eight years ago from the same male cousin. Eight years ago, just recently? Yeah. The same cousin? Same cousin. So... I was actually living with that family, so the abuse would happen to me full-time. But right. when I would go on vacation, say, to go visit my sister, mm. then my brother would go on vacation to go see that cousin. Mm. And so he used to abuse my brother the same way that he actually abused me. So when we talk about sexual abuse, we are talking about intercourse? No, it didn't no. go that far. Okay. With you. Yeah. It did not. So From what I can remember, anyways. Right. <laughs> so. Okay. So... Um, so when you say, so you were telling me, uh, when we were doing a television interview that they were signs that you were growing up too fast. Yeah. So at three years old, I started going through puberty. 
Um, I started growing hair in areas that only a teenager would. Mm. And yeah, my I was taken to a multitude of doctors. Not one of them kind of said that, hey, this could be an issue until I went to BC Children's. But even more so to go back on seeing the doctors. Growing up in Prince George, it's a small town. Mm. Everybody's friends with everybody. Mm. My Prince George family were friends with the with my pediatrician. Mm. So who, who would he be to outright and say, hey, I think something's happening? Right. It was just easier to say, oh, it's a imbalanced hormones. But yeah. nobody looked into why is this girl having imbalanced hormones? Right. It was, yeah, it was just that imbalanced hormones. And when, when mm-hmm. was that properly diagnosed? So I can't remember how, how old I was, probably maybe six or seven. Mm. My mom would have a better idea of when mm. I went to BC Children's. But it was that doctor who had said that um, the only way that I could have started going through puberty this early was if there was genital to genital contact mm. and that it was done by a left-handed person. Mm. Why I remember that specifically? I don't know, hmm. but it was it's only my cousin and myself that are left-handed, hmm. and nobody again put anything together, and I didn't know I was supposed to speak up and say like this, this is happening to me. Hmm. Because you didn't think it was wrong. Yeah, I didn't know what was wrong, and like that family, my Prince George family was so loving and so this and that, whereas my family were a little bit more strict and. Hmm. Um, it was all about, oh, we have to get our finances right so that we can put a food on the table mm. or a house over your head or get you guys clothes. It wasn't as loving and affectionate as what I was receiving in Prince George. Now, you talk, uh, we're talking about sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. We, you also had physical abuse mm-hmm. as well, and that was with your own family, yeah. right? Um, with with your uncle, aunt, um, dad, mom. Who would be physically abusive towards you? Um, specifically, my dad and my brother. Mm. Mm. More so, every once in a while, that wooden spoon from my mom. But right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have had that. Broke too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> spoon, right? Mm-hmm. A wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so um, when we talk about abuse, um, very because. Um, the word rape has been given a new analogy or a new word to be used called sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. We do not think it is serious. But when you say a person has been raped, male or female, yeah. that has that carries a lot of weight. Not only does it carry a lot of weight, you sort of see that the whole situation is disturbing. Yes. That... There is some, we need to do something about it. But when you say there is sexual abuse, it is just a word because we are being so desensitized to the word. Mm-hmm. You both, you and your sister are both uh, registered nurses now. Yes. Right? So in your profession, this profession has taught you that all this is garbage, right? That, that abuse is abuse is abuse. Yes. Tell me something about the kind of abuse that you have seen. Just in the hospitals? And alone? and and in your life as well. Um, Talk about both of them. That will be really very good. 
So just from my own experiences going through sexual abuse and physical abuse and mental and emotional abuse and having my sister also go through sexual abuse, my brother going through sexual abuse as well, um, it's it's just not a topic that anybody wants to talk about. And even in the hospital, I always worked with the adult population. I never worked with pediatric mm. um, at all. So to that I don't think I saw sexual abuse in that mm-hmm. regards, but mm. definitely with the adults, um, verbal abuse. Give me an example, please. Just it's just somebody just belittling somebody or whispering into the into their ear to be like, you know what? It just I'll, I'm going to teach you when I get home, like I something see. like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's just it's things that if you take it out of context like in a different way somebody would say that to you it wouldn't be taken Mm. like that but because especially abuse victims have who have gone through something Mm. like that if i heard somebody say that to someone Mm. then that would trigger something within me Mm -hmm. and then all of my traumas would come up right and then sometimes too if i wasn't some people too don't even go through their trauma healing and it they just are so desensitized to everything that it doesn't trigger them the way that it should yeah so, Mila, you said only eight years ago mm-hmm. that you came to the realization that you've been a victim of sexual abuse or or that, that you can talk about it openly. No, no, I didn't. I did not. So my brother came out that time. Right. I, I never see. did. So how did you feel about that? I think I was more so in shock and... I didn't know what to say or how to express myself and I didn't think I could express myself because this was my brother's time and moment, however you want to put it, Mm. um, to come out. And I didn't have a great relationship with my brother, so Mm. I didn't feel comfortable or safe enough to even... Talk to him. Exactly, to Mm. bring up that topic to say that, hey, this happened to me as well. Mm. And so um, just... I think I judged him to some degree too to say like, oh my God, like he's not like handling this properly at all. Whereas when I went through my abuse, I did it, or my healing of my abuses, I mm. should say, I did it a completely different way. Like I was silent. I never asked anybody for help. I did my healing all by myself. Whereas he was very vocal with what happened to him. Mm. And I think he's still stuck in the cycle of his own healing. And you thought that was wrong? Yeah, because he was just so aggressive about it. Mm. But everybody who's gone through any type of traumas are all going to deal with things differently. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that we are and the way that he grew up was different than I had grown up. Because, again, I had that love and affection, Prince George. Mm. Whereas he grew up with my parents and didn't receive that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He had that lacking. Exactly. So in his case, it was all abuse, abuse, abuse. Yeah, but then that abuse too with my dad and stuff, it it stopped for him when I actually moved there when I was nine years old. Right. Yeah. Now, I want to take a very short commercial break and give our telephone numbers out and uh, get people to call in and weigh in if they can. Uh, 604-280-1200, 604-299-8863. We'll take a one-minute break and we'll be right back. Spice Radio, Radio Rim Jim Sundriya, Gapshapka program hai. और आज हमारे साथ मीला शर्मा हैं। She has written a book called Love and Trauma, memoir of a small girl who grew up. You've written a lot of stuff in this book, uh, Mila, which uh, will help people to yes. heal themselves. So we were talking about your life. You 
you um, were separated from the family uh, that was your own family, like, you know, your extended family, and you came to live in Burnaby and, and left Prince George. Yeah. Now, in our television interview, you, were, you told me that there are telltale signs to find out if a person is going through abuse, sexual abuse especially. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that and tell me what sort of telltale signs there are? Because you related an incident which sort of shocked the hell out of me. Um, telltale signs, it's... <laughs> I think I'm getting a little bit emotional now. Mm. Um, so telltale signs, I think looking back at myself and... Had I known about any of this stuff, this puberty, me going through that early, as well as yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, okay. So, so all of that, but then even looking back at my own, my own telltale signs, like wetting my bed at night, or Mm. um, having major temper tantrums Mm. and not being able to express myself. So those were my own telltale signs, and I'm sure any physicians or anybody can also speak to it as well. Um, but yes, those are mine. Those are yours. Yeah. And if you saw somebody else, mm-hmm. what would be a telltale sign if there was a young girl or a young boy that yeah. you would find? What would you, and they were sexually abused, what would be the biggest telltale sign for that? You're asking some pretty hard-hitting questions right now that I don't... <laughs> feel like I can really answer at this okay. moment. So, okay. So if, if uh, an answer comes to you, yep. do let me know. I will definitely. We, we do have a callers okay. on the line, okay? So line four. Line four, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Go ahead. Hi, yeah. So I had a question. So unfortunately, things like sexual abuse uh, running in the family can leave quite traumatic marks that uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, pass down and you know, hurt people hurt people. And not that that's a justification for anyone to sexually abuse anyone, but do you think there there are certain um, things to look out for for someone who may have been sexually abused so that they can deal with it properly uh, and not suppress these feelings and, and have that continue within their maybe uh, generational uh, timeline of these things uh, reoccurring? Yes, definitely. Um, I feel like telltale signs would likely be a lot of anger and rage, a lot of, um, let's say, um, looking for words right now, but using a lot of alcohol. That was my main choice. Mm. I used a lot of alcohol to cope. Um, Drugs, Mm. being promiscuous or not even promiscuous whatsoever. Um, I think those are big telltale signs, or just even not saying anything at all. Everyone's being very so quiet. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, you mentioned that uh, the institution that was able to help you understand that this was something that was going on that wasn't right was BC Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Do you know that if there were any other institutions that, at, at a young age that you could have turned to that you might have not have, or maybe that exists now that maybe someone could? At that moment in, in time, I had no idea, no. And now, are there any areas where people can go? Yes, there is. Um, going to the hospital, your your um, local clinics, your your doctors, mm. counseling even can help all of this. And mm-hmm. even just journaling. Journaling? Yeah. Writing it down. Mm-hmm. 
how does writing it down help? There's some connection between your brain and your mind and all the emotions. So when you start to write, especially with your hand, mm. um, it just, it releases something from within you. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Caller, do you have any other questions? That's all. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Line five, go ahead. Line five. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Yeah, I just want to, you know, I just, uh, it's it's not shocking, It's but, but it's extremely sad to whatever has happened to you, Mila, and I'm just calling to say that you're a very courageous woman to come forward and, you know, accept and uh, share your story. Uh, and I feel in your case, it's just a collective failure of a medical system, of your entire family, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through it. But I feel that your story might help other, uh, you know, women or men or kids who have gone through this to, uh, you know, gather the strength and come forward to share their story and their grief as well. Thank you so much. That means so much. And yes, yeah, yeah. this book was... You're a very, very courageous woman, I must say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you, G. Uh, 604 280 Mila, this last caller said you're a very courageous, courageous young woman, and you mentioned that it took you a long time to be where you are today, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was the catalyst? What was the moment that you thought to yourself, I am not well. I've <laughs> got to get better. Um so I was injured at work um, okay. in 2015. I think that was the universe telling me, stop, you need to start fixing something in your life. Still didn't figure out any of that. Still continued to drink heavily, um, go out and Where whatnot. did you get the drinks from? At home? Uh, I was 19 years old. I had oh, a valid I see. ID. Okay, so you had a valid <laughs> ID. Okay, so you started drinking. Yes. When, um, did, when did you first start your very first drink? Oh, should I be honest with yes, that? Yes, please. Um, I think everybody, every child has like a couple sips from their parents. Parents, class. Or okay. exactly. Okay. Um, probably I started drinking around maybe 2021. 20, yeah. Is when things started progressing. Okay. Um, and then it just got worse from there. And then I got injured again 2016 because I still didn't get the news thinking that, okay, hard liquor, can't mm. drink that anymore. Let's change that to beer. Mm. Um, still not figuring that out. <laughs> And still remaining injured, and my body pain wasn't getting better because alcohol obviously does not help with um, with healing your body whatsoever. Instead, it just breaks it down even more. And so, yeah. Um, and then it wasn't until 2018 that my mom introduced me to Reiki, mm. which is a healing modality where it allows energy to flow through the body. Mm -hmm. And then so I started my journey really 2018 onwards to mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I never realized that liquor was such an, played a, such an influential role in my life mm. until I actually went to Prince George for my grandfather's funeral mm. and actually saw that cousin again. Ah. And that wasn't even my trigger though. That's a thing. Yeah. And it wasn't even the trigger of being in the house where the abuse happened. It was actually um, just seeing all the kids playing mm. around and at that point I had decreased my um, use of alcohol so it mm. was just like periodically when I wanted to drink mm. um, but other than that I realized that when I was there I was drinking like I was on vacation for breakfast for mm. lunch for dinner all times throughout mm. the day really 
and it wasn't until I got home into the safety of my own area that mm. I actually realized that, hey, I'm drinking like this because mm. of something that happened to me. And mm. I was 34 years old mm. when I realized that the sexual abuse was really this one thing that I never chose to see was affecting my life the most. And I had so many issues with my eyes. And I think all of that has to be related to the reason that I was refusing to look at the past, to notice that that sexual abuse was the worst abuse I went through other than the physical, mental, and emotional. Did you ever confront the person who abused you? I sent him a text message just to say that I told your sisters what had happened. I don't expect an apology, but I just want you to know I forgive you. I never got a response. Instead, he blocked me from everything. Hmm. And so when you went for your grandfather's funeral, mm -hmm. were you in front of him? Were you yeah. face to face? Face to face. And we hadn't seen this family for since my brother had come out. Right. Because they just refused to even give my brother any credit that this even happened to him. Mm. It was just, oh, no, your son's lying. Mm. Like, we are ostracized by the entire family to this day. All Nobody right. still wants to realize or accept that this happened. Because, again, that cousin's so nice, whereas our family's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more like this because right. of all of the abuse that we've all gone through. Right. So <laughs> when you saw him, what went through your mind? Does he, is he married? Does he have he's children? He's married. He's got two kids. He's got two kids. How is he towards his kids? Um... <laughs> That time he was he was good, but again back to those trigger moments is right. the one time our last not one of yeah our last day before we left Prince George to come back to Burnaby, um, it was it was just me going upstairs. He said he would come back downstairs, and I had a lot to drink at this point, but still coherent. Mm. <laughs> um, so I went upstairs to go get him. I don't know what pushed me to do it, but I did, mm. and. I knocked on the door, I opened up the door, and he was holding her. Yeah. And, like, I did nothing sexual or anything. I was just, mm. like, little spoon, big spoon. Like, that was that was probably actually my second trigger there. The first trigger was actually when um, I went to go put his daughter to sleep. That's his own daughter. His own daughter, so she would have been five years old at that time. Oh, my God. And so I went upstairs, and I was taking off her pants because she felt super warm to me. And when I was taking off her pants... Her underwear came down a bit from the sides and dead asleep, she went and she pulled up her underwear quickly. And like, I don't know if that's a normal reaction for a child. I have no idea. Mm. But again, for somebody that was abused for seven years that they can remember mm. sexual abuse at that, mm. it's going to trigger you in some way. And that was my first trigger that I realized that, mm. holy. This little one is going through the same thing as you are. Or I have gone through that. I have gone through that. And just to see them and yeah. running around and having fun and just me mm. thinking to myself, like, I lost my innocence. Mm. Like, what childhood do I have? Like I None. I No, but, like, I had good times in my childhood. Right. But I just never, again, I just put that in a little box and stored right. it away, not thinking it was bad. We've got a caller on line four. We'd like to take that. Line four. Hi there. Oh, this person is calling from, uh, I think, uh, Edmonton or something like that. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Yes, go ahead. Um, 
I just wanted to call in because uh, Mila gave me a heads up. She's going to be on there. Yes. And I just wanted to let her know that I'm really proud of her. And I've got a signed copy. Lovely. Lovely. We need women to support. We need everyone to support people of uh, any kind of abuse. Yes, exactly. Um, you had mentioned uh, the difference between uh, men and women. Um, I'll just add in a little bit uh, from Mila and I discussing things like this. Um, men, because they are, you know, supposed to be the lone rangers and be the protectors and everything, they have a different way of dealing with sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and anger, outward anger, is uh, the outward expression of sad- sadness. So there's something deep uh, within that does that. Um, the, um, what do you call it, uh, the after effects is what yes. you call them. When um, when there's a child, like for myself, I was six. The foster child that had been staying with us was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I went to bed until I was, I don't know, almost a teenager. Um, it messes up your whole, um, your idea of love, your idea of trust. Mm. And yes, they can be nice about it. Mm. Yeah, they're training you. They're grooming you. Um, and so you have no idea. Um, so there's part, part of that grooming is, uh, telling a child that, you know, we can't talk about it. This is secret. This is what people who love each other do. Um, and so a child, they, they don't understand that. Mm. And it's a family pattern that goes down, mm-hmm. um, like a, in, in Mila's family and in my family, um, my parents also had um, their own uh, events mm. that were related to sexual abuse as well. Um, it, I'm, I'm just really appreciative that you um, got Mila on and are talking about this because it's so important. Um, the clients that I work with, mm. um, I see it all the time. A, a miasm is a family pattern weakness. Wow. Um, and it goes right through the family line. and. Wow. Uh, there are ways that you know to to overcome that. Um, Mila can discuss that more. She has discussed it in the book. We're going to get um, Mila to come back again uh, on the sixth of uh, February to talk more about it. By that time, we'll have a lot of other people calling in. But I would like to take oh, this opportunity awesome. and thank you very much for okay. participating in it. Thank All you, right. Jackie. Thank you. Line five, go ahead. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, have to say she's very brave, but um, that comment that was made uh, about when she took her niece upstairs and the child did Mm. what she did to pull up her underwear, Mm. um, so now the family knows, and the family's aware, but they're not going to do anything about it. Isn't there a step that needs to be taken or can be taken for this to come out, out of the family's hands as opposed to, I mean... I'm trying to say something without, but, you know, now you're kind of aware. Mila is aware of this, for example, and she's already mentioned her own tragedy with um, her family, and then she's ostracized because of it, etc. Shouldn't there be another step that can be taken to stop the cycle? You know, uh, very good point, caller. Very good point. Mila, uh, do you want to answer it? I would like to just say that where there is a will, there is a way. Yeah. Um, 
part of my healing journey was actually to to write this book and telling their family so that they could actually do something about it as opposed to going to the police um, for anything. My brother went to the police in the past and nothing came about it. I had the chance and the choice to go to the police. I didn't because at the end of the day, what are, what are they going to say? It's just going to be a he said, she said situation. There's no proof of anything. And then even for kids to go through foster care, I, I, there's pros and cons to all of that. There's so many kids that go through the system and then they end up with the same type of abuse. True. And, and I, I completely understand that because I think that, again, we use the word government very loosely, but, mm-hmm. you know, the criminal justice part of it, and the, the criminality of it is not there. I completely agree with you. You're kind of left on your own, I'm sure, yeah. with the system. But my thing is that even the family, uh, I don't, you know, it's it's ridiculous at this day and age that we have all these, uh, all this nomenclature for what this should be called and what she should not be called and how bad it is and how the scale, things have changed, things mm-hmm. have changed. People are aware of this. So I think the family, if I can use the word, has to be dragged into this. Yeah. and say this you've got to take care of this because that will actually help someone like you right and we, you don't have to speak to them you don't have to even look at them yeah. but the fact is it's the it's the principle of it if you can no i completely understand and i know my parents have tried hard for that but yeah. it's just that nobody wants to listen and it's yeah. again it's a sensitive subject they don't want to admit that you know this all happened under their roof under their watch yeah. um Sorry, I'm not trying to make That's okay. you be the one trying to do this, but I, I sympathize with you. I, I just do. And uh, with all the, like you say, all the kids, uh, the foster kids, uh, you know, the government tends to put money towards something, mm-hmm. but it's a big circle. They just put it here, and then it goes away, and then, you know, it just keeps going. And so many decades have gone by with this, especially in an ethnic um, a, a culture yeah. a thing that we have. Can you imagine, right? So, mm-hmm. No, I can't. You know, so I'm sorry. I just said my bit, but I feel Thank kind you. of helpless as well. So. No, I one Thank one you. does feel this is such a topic that um, there's a lot of anger. Yeah. Uh, but there's not no resolution really. Yeah, there seems to be. It just seems to be a dead end. Yes, yeah. which is so sad. And that's why it's the best to you. Thank you so much. And that's just why it's so important to start your own healing so that hopefully your healing can then stop all the past generational traumas that have happened and future generations that come in to our families, right? True, true. Yeah. Thank, you, you all the best. Thank, Thank you, Paula. Thank you. 604-280-1200, 604-299-8863. Let's take a very short commercial break and come back for the last five minutes of the show with Mila Sharma, who's written a book called Love and Trauma. Spice Radio, Radio Room, Jim Sundriyam, Gapshap Ka Program hai. Mila Sharma is Hamare Saath and we are talking about incest. And we are talking about sexual abuse. We are talking about all kinds of abuse. We've got li- caller on line one. Line one, hello, how are you doing? Hello? Hi. Hi, I just want to use Jag calling. Hi, Jag, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, yeah, I've been uh, listening to the program today. Um, first of all, I just want to thank uh, Mila for open, speaking so openly about this. I know it can't be. 
And I just kind of want to comment on, like, our society. I feel like we often brush this abuse that's happening in our own homes. We brush it under the rug, and we, you know, often it's like if we don't talk about it, it just happens. And I think we need to do a better job uh, as parents and just as a society to keep our children safe and keep our family members safe. And um, I think what you're doing, um, you know, I give you kudos for speaking up because I think you're going to be helping a lot of people by... Um, sharing what you did today. So I really wanted to thank you for that. This is how we start these conversations and hopefully, you know, um, help break these really abusive cycles. Thank you, Jake. Jack, we're going to do uh, our um, follow-up program on the 6th of February. And at that time, Amila will bring maybe somebody else with her and we will talk about other kinds of abuse. I mean, sexual abuse, which I would, if a woman has been uh, sexually abused, I would like to call it rape because it has a very strong yeah. connotation to it. And I really do not appreciate when people use the lighter word sexual abuse where you don't know what happened. I mean, sexually abused, was she touched? Was there a full-on, you know, sexual contact? So you don't know. So you can't even sit down and make up your mind as to what it was, right? I don't know. I yeah. just feel very uncomfortable. I think I feel like that word abuse, sexual abuse, is sometimes used to lessen the blows to have our own discomfort with it, right? With what happened. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the more we talk about this, or you know, like you were talking about the signs to look for, Mm. um, I think that's hopefully going to help people and um, yeah, start helping our our children and helping our you know relatives, neighbors, whoever it is, need help. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Jack. Take care. Line two, go ahead. Hello. Hi there. Yes, uh, I just want to wish the lady um, uh, all the best in her, uh, you know, endeavors for the future. And she is extremely brave and very, very blessed to be able to have that courage, the grace well from from the Creator to be able to, uh, because this kind of uh, um, pain and suffering and emotions. It's a very, very, very heavy baggage to carry. Well said, Colin. So this is a, a beautiful re- way to uh, uh, get rid of the negatives in your life and you can't change anything that has happened, but you can be brave and be blessed and help others and uh, move forward with lots of blessings. Thank you so much. Colin, yes, you are truly blessed. <laughs> Thank I you. I feel the Lord is with you <laughs> because there is only so much uh, He can give you for suffering, but he, the, that makes you very, very strong. Thank he you. wants you to be the champion. So you are blessed. You are very blessed. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and I just stay blessed always. I, my little prayer for you. Thank you so much. I'm just so blessed to even have this voice to be able to share it and to just talk about this topic with everybody. Hello, we're yeah. we doing a television interview with Mila on Sunday at I 2 see. p.m. on Omni TV. So if you guys Inshallah. are listening, yeah, do, do watch that, watch that program. Yeah, because I missed, I, I was away, so I missed quite a bit of the conversation. Thank you. So Take care. We'll see you. And yes. I just want, I I want uh, 
to congratulate her. Very, very brave. Very, very blessed. All the grace she's getting to do her job so well. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Mila, with that, we come to the end of our show. Thank you very much for taking part. We'll see you again on the 6th and uh, on Sunday as well. Yes. On television, you will be on, on Omni TV um, at uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday. And it, the show is also shown in uh, Toronto and in Edmonton and Calgary. So um, people who have cable television, Omni Television is going to be airing this program. It's called Women in Focus. Uh, that comes in every Sunday at 2 p.m. Thank you. Thank you. And where can one get the book? Any retail okay, stores that sell books. It's so. called Love and Trauma, and it's published by? By you, myself. You? It's self-published, it's yes. It's self-published. I didn't okay. have time to wait for a publisher. Oh, okay, so you self-published <laughs> it. Plus, it's a topic nobody wants to talk about. No. So, yeah. So people can get it. Uh, what is, yeah. what is online, it? Online, at all online retail stores. So Lovely. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thank you so much. इसी के साथ हमारे आज के इस प्रोग्राम को यहीं समाप्त करने की इजाज़त चाहते हैं वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकी खटकी और दिल में समाई उन सबको लेके विल बी हेयर टुमारो अनिचा डालाकोटी इज़ गन बी आर गेस्ट टुमारो सो डोंट मिस इट स्टेट्यून फॉर द ड्राइव होम ग्राइंड वी डीजे फ्लाइट एंड माया राइट हेयर ऑन स्पाइस रेडियो और मैं आपके लिए पेश करूँगी समय की रफ्तार निम्मी जी के साथ